Thanks for joining us today on the Port City Church Podcast. With multiple campuses existing within Southeastern North Carolina, our mission is to be helpful and hopeful as we reach people and help them walk with God. To learn more about the heart behind our church, we encourage you to visit us at portcity.church. Good morning. Everybody's doing good, I assume. All right, perfect. Uh, And I'm glad you guys are here. It's great to be together as we wrap up the series um, called DTR, Define the Relationship. And this is the end of a four-week series. If you have uh, uh, not been here, this is part four. So there's a lot we've already covered. And today we're gonna talk about uh, accountability and uh, specifically what that means in terms of how we are taken seriously or really taking one another Seriously, before we jump in, um, I want to uh, just echo what we've already mentioned. I know in all of our campuses, but just a, a debt of gratitude and appreciation to um, all the families and those who sacrificed and uh, given the ultimate sacrifice to preserve the freedoms that we have. I think it is such a worthy uh, way for us to honor. I know we have a lot of folks in our church, people we know um, who have given their lives uh, in defense of our country and service to our country to preserve the freedoms that we all get to enjoy. So I think it's worth uh, stopping and just celebrating and honoring um, those who have done so. So we appreciate you and uh, just hope that you feel very honored um, this week. And I know it's a somber time for a lot of people uh, and we wanna join you in that. Um, so thank you for, for that. Also, secondly, um, yeah, we can, that's good. So um, uh, I mean, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, I'm gonna talk about India now and, and, I've been, been there, been to a lot of different places, not because I'm a good traveler, I'm, I'm not. I just get drug into a lot of things, uh, which is actually kind of fun. Um, I usually have like a, a handler that goes with me to make sure I actually get back whenever I go somewhere um, because there's a good chance I won't. But um, you know, it's so funny because you be in these places where you, you see firsthand um, how unbelievably difficult it is to, to get around and things are precarious in a lot of ways. And India is one of those places and last week, uh, we mentioned, you know, COVID uh, has just ravaged India over the last few weeks. And then there was a cyclone, lots of flooding, lots of other things. We have great partnerships in India to do incredible work. And last week, if you were here, uh, we invited you to participate. Our, our partners over there, Mission India, um, we were on the phone with them. They said, hey, would you guys, they, they're, they're providing uh, kits, $40 a kit um, to, it'll feed a family of four for a month, it provides some medicine for them. And so we uh, made that initiative available to you last week. Uh, they asked us if we could uh, get 100 kits uh, to them. And so we said, sure, we, we, would, we would do our best. And uh, after, as of today, we um, have 670 kits that we have sent um, <laughs> to India for it's almost $27,000 uh, that, that was raised and went to, to them in $40 increments, which is really, really, um, it's just, it's great. And, and uh, we've talked to them. They're super grateful and appreciative. And so uh, you can check their website out, Mission India. It's not on our website anymore, but you can check out Mission India if you wanna continue with that. Uh, we invite you into that. So today, uh, just lots of reasons for us to both be grateful, uh, for us to be excited, just to celebrate. And um, as we wrap this series up, I wanna talk about um, accountability. The last three weeks, uh, or four weeks, we've introduced uh, this idea of relationships and really getting a definition. And, and it's important, I, I think, my, my personal opinion is, I think it's important to get clear definitions on things. 
Because a lot of times we operate in realities that aren't defined and one person has expectations in one way and another person has expectations in another way. We don't ever meet. And so there's just, there's, wherever there's just vagueness, it creates tension or potentially trouble. And when it comes to relationships, all of us know what that's like. We have relationships with people around us. We all know what that's like, but we don't really maybe have a crisp definition of what it means. And so what I'm talking about specifically in this series is that when I'm talking about relationships, I mean the way in which you and I see ourselves as connected to one another. And this is really important. It sounds kind of trite. The way in which we see ourselves is connected to one another. But the reality is, is we see ourselves as connected to people in all kinds of different ways. Some people, you know, they're a network opportunity. They're, they have good connections. And so your connection to them is that they have good connections. So you're always trying to make sure that you're in their good graces so they'll give your name to somebody else for business. And that's the way in which you are connected. For those of you, people make you feel good about yourself. And so that's your connection to them. So you always want them to do that. For other people, you use them because they're good at something. They make you feel, so you use people and you always are relating to someone by the way you see yourself as connected to them. So we often, this is really what frames a lot of our relationships. And maybe more importantly, a lot of us, we don't actually see ourselves as connected to other people who aren't like us or who don't struggle in the same way we do. And so what happens is when you don't see yourselves as connected to them, it's very easy to dismiss them or to disregard them. And so this is what I'm talking about, especially when it comes, when I'm thinking about this particularly for us, is those of us who live under this rule of God's love, those of us who are followers of Jesus, that there is an obligation, a responsibility to the way in which we connect to one another that has incredible implications on our personal lives and I think unbelievable opportunities for the world around us. And so I want for us to get this I was gonna say get it right. I want for us to at least begin to get it right because it's gonna be a long process. So we talked about empathy. <clears throat> we talked about vulnerability. Like the cool kids say, being vulny. Vulny. If you have teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, we feel a little vulny today. Uh, and then today we're gonna add accountability. Now, some of you are excited about this because this is like your favorite thing. And we started this, uh, this series, some in Ephesians chapter four. And in there it says, speak the truth in love. And that's a big, we're gonna look at that today. And um, before we get there, I wanna just read, because we, we've set up this idea over the last few weeks that there is a fragile foundation that most of our culture operates in. We've talked about it being when the highest value of a relationship is acceptance, when the highest way you can relate to another person is to simply be accepted, you're going to end up with sort of the highest expression being affirmation where it's just a bunch of attaboys and you're not gonna grow, you're not gonna change, you're not gonna be formed. And what we believe, what I believe, is that that is not the highest value, that is the base value. To accept one another is the base value. And from there we build into who it is that we are become. And that's what makes all these three things so important. Almost like three sides of a three-legged stool. You remove one and the other two sort of fall apart. And this is what I mean by taking seriously. About for us, if, if someone doesn't take you seriously, it means that you are marginalized or dismissed. And so we want for us to learn. We want, I want for you to learn, I want for me to learn how we take one another's growth seriously, how we take one another's relationship with Christ seriously, how we take one another's walk with Christ seriously. Do you have people in your life who take your faith seriously? I know there are a lot of people who, who profess faith, right? They say a lot of things about Jesus, but their life reflects nothing about it. And what it says to me is that no one around you says anything. No one around you says, hey, dude, you talk about this, but, but you don't think like what you're doing like makes any, like is, is a part of that? 
It just means no one takes your faith seriously. I have people in my life who take my faith seriously. They take my walk seriously. They take my call seriously. We have to let people into our lives in that way. Colossians chapter three, verse 12, it starts to set up a context for us. Uh, chapter three, verse 12, it says this, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, put this on, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. This is quite a list. To clothe yourselves with compassion, to suffer with someone, that's what compassion means, to suffer with, with kindness, to extend yourself to them, with humility, to extend or see one another's as more important than yourself. Gentleness, patience, long-suffering is the old word, willing to walk with people through stuff. Verse 13, to bear with one another and to forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And if you have your Bibles, you might wanna underline that statement because that's the standard of forgiveness in the kingdom. It's not, you don't forgive by how much you've been hurt. You don't forgive by how uh, disruptive the pain was to you. You forgive as you have been forgiven. So the journey is about you and I understanding how we've been forgiven and then using that as the measure by which we extend and live with one another. Uh, in fact, Jeff and I were backstage uh, here, we were jamming out to one of the songs we were singing. And when it says, you know, uh, the song we sang here in Wilmington, it just, it just it proclaims that, you know, um, it is done, it is finished, and it, it, it mercy's won, I'm forgiven. And if we can just, if we can trust and believe that, that I am forgiven. That's what Jesus has done for us. It, it really provides the foundation from which we can learn how to truly live in this freedom that I think God has for us. In verse 14, he says, over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. And this is the idea that there is the rule, and we've been talking about this, there's this rule that governs the way in which we are to live our lives under the rule of God's love. Over all these things, clothe yourselves, immerse yourself, dress yourself, be covered in love. That's the picture. Now, if you've been right here for a long time, there are really two systems that we live in. One is governed by the rule, the other is governed by the law. And some of you, this is exactly the reason why you struggle in relationships. And it's because what happens to you is under the law, forgiveness has a system of scales or a system of scale that basically whatever happens on one side of the equation has to happen on the other side of the equation in order for things to be right. Otherwise, it's not fair. So for some of you, right, you have been wronged. You have been wronged in a relationship and so you, you don't trust, you withhold trust and forgiveness is based on how well this person performs over some period of time. And please hear me, I'm not suggesting that there aren't chronic issues and abusive and, and codependent tendencies that people have, I know all that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there are places where there have been patterns, demonstrated patterns for years where there is trustworthy behavior that is never granted because it never feels like enough. For some of you, you're in relationships, right? And you have been the one who has harmed the other person. You have done something to them and they have forgiven you. They have forgiven you, but you feel like you've never done enough. And so you keep trying and proving and working. And all of this is this system and God's invited us into a different way of relating. That's why this series is specifically talking about a new rule for the way that we relate. A new rule for the way that we relate. You'll notice something 
in here. And this is why I think this rule of God's love is so important. And this is the two statements that I have sitting on the top of my desk in my office. And I wanna put them up for you to see because they're, they're, you just have to reflect on that God's love is fully sufficient for human relationships to flourish. The love that God has for me is fully sufficient for me to become who I'm called to be. I don't need anything else. That's a freeing thing because it allows me to become. It's the foundation by which I become who I am to be. But also God's love is the only foundation that is sufficient for the freedom and the fullness that we long for, for the fullness of human expression, for us to live as human beings, the way we are created and called to relate. The foundation of his love is the only place sufficient for that to occur. That's a big statement, so you might wanna chew on that and see if you agree or disagree, and we'll talk about that at some other time. So we started this series with Ephesians 4. We're gonna close it with Ephesians 4. And it says this in verse 14 of chapter four of the book of Ephesians, the little letter that Paul wrote uh, in the New Testament. It says, then we will no longer be infants, we'll no longer be children, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and blown there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. There's a condition that he's alluding to that we are bouncing all over the place. And I think this is emotionally, I think this is philosophically, I think this is, what do we believe about this? What do we think about this? I think it's politically, all these things fit into this mold that we are just bounced from one thing to the other. Do you feel like this in our culture? Right, you turn, you turn on the news on one thing, you go, oh my gosh, I can't believe. And then he's, oh my gosh, I can't believe. And it's like two different things that both make you feel the same. And you just bounce from one thing to the other. You just go from one place to the other. This is really true of our relationships. Think about this. When you have a riff with somebody or you've done something and you're kind of struggling and you're going to look in for someone's opinion, oftentimes we don't go to ask someone who's gonna tell us the truth. We go ask someone who's gonna agree with our position, true? When someone tells you something you don't wanna hear, you're like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I'll go ask someone else. We're bouncing around. This is exactly what Paul is addressing, that we don't wanna be those kinds of people who just bounce from thing to thing, always vacillating and left sort of without a sufficient, stable foundation. There's a way for us to live as God's people in this world that provides a measure of stability to us. And so what he says is instead of bouncing around from one thing to the next, instead of being sort of pulled in your mind and your heart all over the place, instead, speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. And from him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. It grows and it builds itself up, here's the phrase again, in love, as each part does its work. Now, when I think about this, in love, most of us have heard this phrase a lot. Someone will use it to say, oh, I'm not, I love them, but I'm not in love anymore. And what you mean is you don't get chills or goosebumps or fuzzy feeling in your spine or whatever it is you say. It's not what it means. This is not about emotion. This is about a place. This is about a context in which we live. The body builds itself up in love. We speak the truth in love. So there's some context we have to understand. And this is what I want for us to see and to consider. It says in there, instead of being bounced around, we'll put this verse back up there. Instead of being bounced around, it says that we are to speak the truth. So we speak 
There's something we have to say and we speak truth. All in the context of love and there's a purpose in this. If you read this verse carefully, most of us have grown up thinking that you speak the truth in love in order to prove your point, in order to make your case. If you look at this verse very carefully, it says that we speak the truth in love so that what? So that we will grow up and become. It is never about your point. It is always about what is happening in the heart of someone else. It is always about what God is doing and working in the heart of someone else. And most of us spend so much time speaking the truth by getting our points and our logic all made that we haven't spent any time looking and saying, God, what are you doing in that person's heart? What are you doing? Joseph Granny, who wrote a book called Crucial Conversations, uh, we actually did a series that was kind of inspired by some of this years ago called Handle With Care. But Joseph Granny wrote a book uh, called Crucial Conversations about having crucial conversations. He defines crucial conversations as this, it's a triangle where there's a strong emotions, opposing opinions, and high stakes. Anybody have one of those? And here's what he says, here's the point. Here's this point in the book. Anytime you are stuck, and this is worth writing down, taking a picture of it. If you came and you're not sure what you believe about God, this will be worth your time today just to get this statement. Anytime you find yourself stuck, whether it's relationally or organizationally, it is because there is a conversation that you are not having or you are not having it well. In every single, right? Any place that you are stuck, relationally, organizationally, it's because there's a conversation that you are not having or you are not having it well. Some of you know this because your relationships, your most intimate relationships, there are things that you cannot talk about because if you say one thing, the wheels come off. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's because your relationship is stuck. You are as deep in your relationship as you will go. Your depth is defined by the things that you cannot talk about. So we have to learn. Like when it talks about speaking the truth in love, this is what we have to begin to consider or understand. The opposite of speaking is to do what? <laughs> Yell, no, I'm just kidding, that happens. But it's just, just to zip it. It's silence. And silence isn't benign. Silence isn't ignoring and hoping that things will go away. The principle that, again, Joseph Granny says in there, says if you don't talk it out, you're gonna act it out. If you don't talk about things, you're going to act out. For some of you guys, right? Some of you guys are young. You're like high school, middle school. You're kind of angsty. If you don't learn how to talk it out, you're going to act it out and you're gonna end up doing things that are in exact opposite directions of the things that you actually want. We have a whole culture that has lost the capacity to have conversations. I assume you realize that. So we have to figure out as people of God, as parents, as spouses, as kids, I put my kids in these situations and we talk, we talk. You can ask them, we talk, we talk. Because they have to learn how to communicate. They have to learn how to engage when we disagree, when the stakes are high and we're wrestling through things. Because that's what love looks like. It's what we do. We speak truth in love, but it is always for what is happening until we grow up into every respect that God has for us and every aspect of what God has for us. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're talking about. So when we think about this, this sort of three 
tiered approach. Empathy, and this is where you have to start. A lot of you want to start with accountability. And what accountability looks like for a lot of people is it looks like, and this is especially true of men, they go and they have coffee. This is my accountability partner. I'm not, I'm not making light of this because there is an important aspect and there's a helpful aspect. But usually what it looks like is you sit across from coffee and says, hey, have you looked at porn this week? Have you done anything that causes your eyes to twinkle a little bit? Nah, 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 hadn't done that. Have you said any bad words? Well, only two, but it was really, you know, and it's like this list of things that we have done or not done. And that's okay, but it's, it's, it's not sufficient. What you're doing is you're just sort of seeing how your scales are balanced. And even worse, if you're trying to do this and someone comes to you and says, hey, I need to talk to you about something, and they start to tell you something that you don't like about yourself, what's the first thing you usually say back to them? It isn't thank you. And she's like, while we're at it, let me give you my list, right? And we're just right back in the same system. You're holding me accountable, let me hold you accountable. Let's see who's more accountable, right? It's like we, we do this. We've gotta get here. We've gotta get here. Empathy. Empathy is to feel with another. It's to feel with another. You realize, and listen, I, I, I'm, there is, I go back and forth. This is, not, this is not like you stay here all the time and you just live here and you wait for everybody else to come to you. You have to fight to stay here as well. It is easy to get defensive. It is easy to get angry. It is easy to get pulled out of here and want to go duke it out with someone, especially when you're right or you're better than them, right? And you've got to fight to stay here. But this is where we have to start to say, God, I, I need to see you. I need to, empathy is the capacity to feel, another, to, feel with another, to feel with another. You cannot be empathetic at a distance. You have to allow yourself to get close. You have to allow yourself to feel. You have to enter into what someone else is feeling. You realize that when someone hurts you, it is 99% of the time because they themselves are hurt. And you have to find ways to, to enter, to see what is actually happening, to empathize. Usually what happens when you start to empathize, you begin to avail your, when you can see someone else and recognize their own pain, a lot of times what we'll do, if we're really sort of honest with ourselves, we'll start to see our own. When we talk about accountability, this is not people who have it figured out, helping people who don't have it figured out, figure it out. That's not what accountability is. That's not what this is about. Vulnerability is the second component to this. Vulnerability, the way I think about this, is to be who you are and to want to become. What it acknowledges is that you are not where you want to be yet. That means there are gaps. And some of those gaps are more serious than others, but there are always gaps. And your willingness to avail those gaps and to say, yes, I struggle with that too. Yes, that hurts me too. Yes, that makes me sad too. Laurel and Mandy did a video this past week on, um, on our social, on our YouTube channel. And Laurelyn described vulnerability as like when you're rock climbing like handholds. You're looking at someone and when you see someone who just appears to have it all together and they don't have any problems, everything's fine, you don't have anything that you can identify with or anything you can hang on to. So vulnerability allows someone to see something in you, to trust something. I think that person gets it. And it gives you a little place where you can hold on to. Something, a little something you can trust in order to take the next step or to move. That's what vulnerability does. It says that you're, this is who I am. Most of our lives, we feel so much pressure to present to the world 
who, we, who they already think that we are, and we make no room. You need these relationships, these formative communities in order for that shaping to happen. And then third is accountability. And when I think about accountability, accountability is for another person to see who you are, to see who you are and to call you to become, to call you to become. You've gotta have people around you who believe in your call, who see your call, who know you and are looking for this and are helping you, extending themselves to you, sharpening you, shaping you. You know, I, it's, 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 it's interesting because there's so many places in the Bible, and listen, this place of love is entered into by sincerity and by truth. Sincerity is the capacity to be trusted and truth is the capacity to be free, if you think about this biblically. And so you, we, and we're gonna talk about this as we kind of close our time out. We're gonna give you these four questions. What I do, and I, I, I try in my own relationships, and I have some really tight relationships. Um, and I could go into detail, I don't, I don't but I, I have times when, and what we'll say to one another often is, how careful do you want me to be? Because I recognize that in my position, um, oftentimes you have younger staff or people who, you know, they'll, they'll come in and they won't say, they don't, if you're in leadership, people who are following you or who are in your organization don't always tell you what's really going on. They tell you what you wanna hear. You recognize this, right? And so what you have to do is you have to fight against that. And the way you fight against that is by acknowledging to them that you already know that you got some issues. Because here's the thing, as a leader, what I've learned, whenever I tell people on our staff or on my team that I have issues, they're not like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. They're like, oh, thank God he knows. Do you know why? Because everybody else is already talking about it. You're just kind of letting them know, hey, it's okay. So if you have situations where people struggle to talk to you, what you do is you let them off the hook. When I tell people, when they come in, I said they wanna tell me something that's hard, I try, and it's not perfect, but I try and I say, I don't want you to spend a ton of time trying to figure out how to tell me this in order to preserve my feelings. I want you to just say it. I'm gonna trust you and then we're gonna clean it up. Because guess what happens if you don't do that? Someone is afraid to talk to you because anything they say, guess what? Can and will be used against them. And guess what system that is? Some of you are in marriages like this. Some of you are in relationships like this. Some of you are, because you know anything you say, it's gonna be a 20 year sentence for you. You're done. Wrong system. The reason, the only reason you can invite someone into that place is because you trust that you are safe with them. The word vulnerability literally means wounded. This means that we are struggling together. They are seeing something in me. The people that are around me, and I've had beautiful conversations as a part of this church for years and years and years and years, very difficult conversations, very difficult conversations. And at the end of the day, I know that the people who've told me those things, they care about me, they care about my call, they care about God's work. And that allows you to hear all kinds of things from a completely different perspective. This is what's important. You've got to trust that there are people around you who don't just want something from you. They want the best for you.
You've got to find people like that. To speak the truth, right? The, the, the absence of that is to remain silent. To not speak the truth, or if you think about the opposite of truth, it isn't just lies. It's fiction. It's like a novel. What happens is when, when you're not talking about things, people are already making up the story in their minds about what you're doing or saying or thinking. Are, our brains just do that instinctively. If someone hurts you, you've already created a story as to why they did that to you. And more than likely, they're the aggressor and you're the victim. And when you don't get empathetic, when you don't sort of learn how to share, we don't bring people into this place, right? You're gonna keep telling that story over and over again. You're gonna treat them according to that story. And for a lot of people, depending on where you are in leadership or where you are in your relationships, you just wanna create these self-fulfilling prophecies for people because no one's believed or seen anything in them. So this place in love where we are to meet is actually what's a word that we've lost in our culture. And that is a covenant that God has called us when he says that you are my chosen people, holy and dearly loved. We are his new covenant people. We've lost this in marriage. Marriage isn't just the agreement. Says, oh, we are now we can like, you know, all the purity, uh, we can have sex now because now we're married. You know, blah, blah, blah. It's not just a church rule, it's a covenant. The reason these things matter is because a covenant provides a safe place for you to be and for you to become. And it provides a safe place for you to avail yourself to another person without fear of being rejected or harmed. And not only that, they're gonna see something in you that's gonna cause you to become more than what you currently are. You need relationships like that. The covenant of marriage, the covenant of marriage works like that. The covenant of God's covenant people works like that. It's a place where we, it's, it's not, this is not a feeling or an emotion. It's actually a context. It's a way in which we live. And you and I have to learn how to live in love because this is where all those exchanges happen. The reason boundaries are so important, some of you, you have relationships with people out here. What you keep doing is you keep trying to speak the truth to them, but it is not in love. So it just gets used or it bounces off or it does something else. Your job in those moments is to get that person in this place. This is why boundaries matter. This isn't, this isn't being mean to keep someone out. It's just saying this is the only place where we can experience what we both want. And if one person isn't willing to get in here, it will not ever happen. Yes, it's sad and yes, it's hard. But if you keep trying to do it here, you are going to do further harm to your own soul and to the other person. What we're talking about is, for, is, is in the context, like this is where we speak the truth in love. There are other things and other rules that govern these, these relationships we have out here. We're talking about God's people in this new covenant relationship. It's a place where you feel safe. The way it's written, and I love how John writes this in his letter at the end of the New Testament, 1 John chapter four, he says, and so we know and we rely on the love that God has for us. So we know it, we've experienced it, and we depend on it, we trust it. It becomes the foundation for our lives. The God himself is love. This isn't just a thing. This is actually the very nature and character. We are clothing ourselves with him. And it says, whoever lives in love lives in God. Whoever dwells in this place dwells in the fellowship we have with God, and God dwells in them. This is the space in which we are called and created to live within. And this is, where we're all, this is why this is so important for you and your relationship with Christ and for someone else to see that in you, for someone else to take your relationship with Jesus seriously. Do you have people around you 
who do that. To live in love is the place where God's heart and where God's promises and where God's will rule and govern. It's the place where you and I are safe with God and with one another. Why? Because that's the place where we are forgiven and we live in forgiveness. We live as those who've been forgiven and we live in forgiveness where we don't owe one another. These safe places, the problem, let me be really clear. If you demand love, you will always be on the wrong side of it, which is to be outside of it. If you were demanding empathy or demanding acceptance or you were demanding trust, if you were demanding anything, you were always gonna be on the wrong side. Because what you'll do is you'll sit there and you demand that other people bear with you. You'll demand it. And those things, those things go away in here. We are free not to have to demand those things because they're given. We receive them. In love is where this happens. In love. So here are the questions I want to leave you with. And you're going to have to just kind of write these down or take a picture of them. Uh, and what you think I might ask is who is it that you need to speak the truth to? That would be fun, wouldn't it? So you could just drop the elbow on them. What kind of person do you need to be for another? And I want you to think about the people in your life. What kind of person do you need to be for that other person? You don't have to do anything with this yet. You just need to ask yourself, what kind of person? Whenever I'm gonna have a tough conversation or I'm feeling a little defensive, what I do is I get my journal out and I write down all the reasons I'm right and how I'm gonna tear this person up. That's fun. Then I say, Lord, what do I really need to see and what do I really need to be? Because it starts to shape out all that other stuff. It starts to shape all the other stuff. If I'm having trouble getting my own self out of the way, I talk to one of my friends. And what they'll say to me is they'll say something like, Mike, how careful do you want me to be? I'm like, well, I just want you to tell me what I wanna hear. And they'll like, you know, scratch you behind the ear and make you feel good about yourself. And they'll say, now let me tell you what you need to know. You need people who can do this for you. But then what I start doing is I start looking and I start praying, I start asking God, how do I see? Because the reason we're gonna speak the truth in love isn't to prove my point. The reason we're gonna speak truth in love is so we can become who God has called us to be. So who do you need or what kind of person do you need to be for another person? Who do you need to invite and involve into your life? Some of you, and I'm, I'm certain it's true in a room this size and folks who are watching our campuses and online, some of you are struggling alone. Some of you are struggling alone and you are struggling deeply. For some of you, it's because of some rejection that you have experienced maybe in a relationship or you've been working so hard in a relationship and you just can't seem to get any traction and you just are feeling worse and worse and more and more alone. For some of you, because it's been abused, you've been abused in some way. Maybe it's a sexual trauma. Maybe it's some other kind of trauma where you feel and you feel the shame and you feel like if anybody ever knew this or if I availed this to anyone, I'm not sure I could handle it. And so you struggle alone. For others of you, it's sort of anxious or depressive thoughts. Or for some of you, it's even the suicidal ideations and those types of things. And you're just, you think that if I was just a better Christian, if I just prayed harder, if I just did this better, then this would go away. And sometimes what you need is not for you to pray harder or to do better. Someone, sometimes you need to reach out and let someone who's extending their hand to you and take it. You need to let people believe and trust for you sometimes when you can't believe and trust for yourself. That's, that's what the body does. It builds itself up in love. You need for someone to just pull you right into that box to help you get into the box. 
Who do you need to invite and involve in your life? Second set of questions looks like this. What do you, what do you need to see in order to call and to contend for another? This is gonna take a little bit more work. Because sometimes what you need to see isn't what you see at first. You need to see something in them. You need to see what God is doing in them. You see their giftedness. You need to see their call. Then you contend for it. You hold fast. You fight for it with them. What do you need to see in order to call them to become and to contend for them? And then lastly, what perhaps do you need to avail in order to build trust with another. Some of you, you've worked so hard to build a reputation where you have it all together and you're just like that flat stone wall. There's not a single handhold for anybody. And perhaps the people around you need to hear you say, hey, you know what? That's me as well. I felt like that. I've been through that. I've seen that. I've struggled with that. So there's a little something they can grab onto and a little bit that you can avail to them to in order to build trust with them in order for us to become who it is that God has created us to become. So as we close our series together, I wanna do this. Um, uh, and we're gonna just have a prayer sung over us. Because for some of us, right, you, you're ready to extend this love that God has for you. Like we're, we're fine, we're, we're getting people in the box. And some of you, you're sitting out here and you don't feel worthy to get in the box. And what you need to hear is that the love that God has for you is wholly sufficient for the life that he's created for you. And you're gonna have all kinds of reasons why you think perhaps it shouldn't be or it won't, but he's asking you to trust him. And it's in this place where you learn how to trust Him that you will learn how to trust others again, again. What we have to do as a church is we've gotta be this safe space. We gotta be this protected place where our hearts are safe with God and are safe with one another enough to be known in order for us to become who it is that God has called us to be. So it's a beautiful song. I just want you to let this prayer just be our prayer, maybe sung over you, maybe the words will resonate with you. And so you're gonna just kind of watch them and agree with them in your own heart. Or maybe you're gonna say, God, I need to actually receive this from you and from others. So I just wanna use this moment. It's kind of a sacred moment. We have been connected. Therefore, it's God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. We are to grow up into every respect that bears the fullness of the image of God and until every single person gets it, till we all attain it. We contend with one another and we fight for one another for the sake of God's image being born and seen and experienced in the world that so desperately needs it. Father, thank you that you've made a way for us that you went first, you demonstrated your love for us in empathy by the incarnation, becoming flesh, by vulnerability, by making yourself human and then a sacrifice 
And God, from that, you know, you have taken our own formation seriously by assembling us and calling us and empowering us and being present with us. So God, let us just be that for another. And I lift all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Taya's gonna come out uh, and she's gonna lead us in this prayer. I hope that you'll just receive, receive this as a prayer for your own heart. Just use this as a sacred moment. Taya, thank you.